Father, thank you now for this time we come. Let your word find its place in our heart. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. Guys, thank you this morning for being here. We're glad that you're here. And um, just want to say uh, thanks to everybody who took care of everything last week while we were gone for vacation. Um, it, it, it takes a lot to make everything happen around here. And a lot of times some of you guys don't know exactly what has to happen before you get here. There's a lot that happens before you get here. And there's a lot of people who are involved in making it, making it run. And so thank you guys for, for your hard work. Pastor Adam, thank you for uh, that message. I watched that message last week, and uh, I was blessed. Uh, Sister Wright's testimony um, uh, in, the, in that second service, you know, it blessed me. I was crying just as I was, I was listening to her testimony. And um, so we are, are grateful to be back. We enjoyed our time, but we are grateful to be back with you guys today. Um, this morning, I want us to talk, um, uh, we're, we're going to go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 32 is where we're going to go, so you can go ahead and turn there, Genesis chapter 32, and uh, we're going to talk about a guy in, out of Genesis chapter 32, uh, maybe you can relate to a little bit. This morning, I want to talk to you about the idea of surrender. Um, now, there was uh, a guy by the name of Hero. Anoda, Hiro Anoda. Hiro Anoda was a Japanese uh, intelligence, a military intelligence uh, officer in World War II. Um, he went into the military at 18 years old, and uh, he fought in the Philippines. And in 1945, when uh, there was declared an end to World War II, and Japan surrendered. Hiro did not surrender. He stayed, him and a group of other guys, stayed in the jungle for the next 30 years, continuing to fight this uh, war for uh, his Japanese empire. Uh, and he would not surrender. And it wasn't until 1974 that uh, he surrendered to a commanding officer that had to come find him. And he said, I'll not surrender uh, until I, I, a commanding officer comes and gives me the declaration that the war has ended. They had been dropping leaflets to this man and his group for over 30, for about 30 years, about 29 years. And so they would drop these leaflets and, uh, and they would get these leaflets and they, they would read them and say, hey, the war is over, come out of, from, from the trees. And they would look at it and say, no, it's a trick. They're trying to trick us, and so they just kind of doubled down. Anybody ever been there? Stubborn, right? <laughs> so, so I didn't even admit to that, you know. Uh, and, and so, so it, they just kind of doubled down. And, and what they were doing uh, was they weren't just hiding in the trees, but they were actually still uh, participating in guerrilla warfare. So they would burn the farmers' rice uh, fields. Uh, they actually killed. Uh, some of the innocent farmers uh, that they encountered, and so they really thought that this war had continued on. And so it wasn't until 1974 that a commanding officer uh, of Hero went into the jungles of, uh, of, of the Philippines and found him, 
and said, hey, it is time for you. I relieve you of your duty. And at that point in time, he came out. Um, and it was interesting because he went back to Japan and he saw how much had changed over 30 years. He saw how much had uh, grown, how much had changed, how much uh, he had missed, and that Tokyo had actually grown to this uh, super metropolis, and uh, there, were, there was all this prosperity, and he began to look and see how things were so different than the Japan that he left when he went into the, to the jungle. And I thought about that. And some people, you know, his name is Hero, and some people actually think of him as a hero because he was so stubborn to keep, keep pressing on to the war, keep pressing in and, and fighting the battle, fighting, fighting the fight for his side. But I actually look at it, I think it's kind of sad because I look at everything that he missed. I look, when he came out of the, he was 52 years old when he came out of the jungle. From 18 to 52, he missed so much. He missed his parents. His parents were in their 90s when he came out. And all the time that he missed with his family, all the time that he missed because he was still waging a war that had been over for about 30 years. And how many of us, sometimes we fight battles and we're fighting wars that should have long been over, right? We're fighting things that we should have declared, you know what, I'm done with that a long time ago. You know what, year after year, day after day, month after month, we continue to fight the same thing, the same thing. And it's, it's, it's because we get to this place, maybe we're stubborn. And, well, it's just a trick. I, you know, they're just trying to, they, it was not because they lacked the information. It wasn't because people didn't, there was a lack of trying to get to them. It was because they just kind of doubled down. And so how many of us are like, Hero, instead of choosing surrender, we choose stubbornness, right? Instead of choosing to surrender, we choose to just double down. See, this is the thing that I want you to get. Um, frightened and fearful people will always go back to trusting what is familiar. Frightened and fearful people will always go back to trusting what is familiar. And see, that's the temptation for us today, that when we're scared, that when we're frightened, that when we think someone is trying to, you know what, we'll pull back. We'll go back to what is familiar, and sometimes what is familiar is not what God has for us. Sometimes where we retreat to and the places that we go to is not the place that God intends for us to be. And so for us, it's like, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're just scared. On the inside, and, and, and we, may, we may hide that and mask that, and we call it stubbornness, but really I think what it is is it's fear, and it's being frightened maybe to step forward into something that is unfamiliar. And so sometimes when things are familiar, things that we, we know, they may not be great, but we're familiar with it, so we'll retreat back to it. I want us to go to Genesis chapter 32 because there's a story that I think is kind of in a similar way. Uh, this is a story of Jacob. Now, you might have heard of Jacob. And Jacob, his actual name means deceiver. Uh, that's kind of his name really kind of is indicative of the person that he, he was. And so I want us to pick up here in chapter 32, verse 3. And it says, And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, thus says, 
your servant Jacob. I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys, flocks, uh, male servants and female servants. I have sent to, the, to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. There are about 400 men with him. All right. Now, what you got to understand is Jacob and Esau were not on good terms. What you have to understand is that Jacob tricked his brother out of a birthright and a blessing. And so when the message comes back to Jacob, yeah, hey, your brother's coming to meet you, and he's bringing an army of 400 well-trained soldiers with him armed to the hilt. Do you think he was a little bit nervous? Would you have been a little bit nervous? It's not just Esau coming out to meet his brother, but it's Esau and his army. And so Esau is coming, and, and all Jacob can do is just begin to think about everything in his mind that, hey, this is a family reunion, but it's not quite the family reunion that I, I think I want. See, Jacob has to confront his conflicted past. Jacob has to confront the past that he has run away from. See, that's what happened. Jason, Jacob, after he stole uh, the birthright or tricked him out of the birthright and the blessing, um, he ran away from home. And he's been on the run from home and been on the run from his brother for a long time. And now Jacob has got this family reunion coming, and it may not be a good one. And Jacob will have to confront his conflicted past. Let's pick up and continue to read in verse 9. It said, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love. And if you remember steadfast love, I'm not worthy of your said love. I'm not worthy of your long-lasting love. See, because, God, I am, I'm the guy who has not been faithful. But, God, you have showed me that you are faithful. So, God, I'm not worthy of your faithfulness, the deeds of your steadfast love, and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with, uh, with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan. And now I have become two camps. Basically what he did is he took his, his group and he divided them into two tribes or two different groups. I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, attack me and, my, and the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. So, so basically, he's just reminding God here. God, you said you would do me good. You said that if, if I went back home, that if I did this, you would do me good. So God, I am reminding you of what you've already told me, right? Like God needs to be reminded of his promise. Like God needs a reminder from us. Like, God, do you remember? Do you remember what you said? Uh, yeah, I remember what I said. I need you to remember what I said. I told you to go back. And, and so he's going back, and now he's got this problem. He's got this problem. It's, it's, it's not a new problem. It's a problem that he's had for a number of years. See, when he left, he was about 22 years old. Now he's in his 40s. And so for about 25 years, he's been on the run from his brother. He hasn't seen his brother in 25 years, and his brother could have had this 
just this entire 25-year period of time just to build up bitterness to him. And now I'm going to divide my, I'm going to divide my possessions and my family into two camps. You know what? I'm going to send one ahead, and if he takes that and destroys it, maybe the other can get away, so maybe it won't be a total loss. And so this story, Jacob is praying. Jacob is recounting to God what God has told him, and Jacob is fearful and frightened. Let's continue to read. We pick up right here in uh, verse 13. And so it says, verse 13, So he stayed there that night. He stayed in that place that night. Let's jump down to verse 22. And he said, That same night he arose and took his two wives and his two female servants and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Now something you don't pick up on in the English here is that that word Jabbok, that word Jabbok is, uh, it's like the root word for wrestle. So they come from the same place. So when it says that he crossed the ford of the Jabbok, the next verse says this, he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. See, that's, that's how Scripture works sometimes, that it kind of has us play on words. And so Jacob crossed the Jabbok that sounds like he's crossing over into this wrestling match. Who's he wrestling with? Now, I know you say, well, he's wrestling with God. But it's really not that simple because if you read in the original language, it, it, it actually is said that he wrestled with man. He wrestled with a man or wrestled with man. And so there's a little bit of question about exactly who is he wrestling with. Now, I know that God has shown up, but is he wrestling with God? Well, I think that he's wrestling with a lot of things. See, he's been wrestling. He's wrestling with this conflict that he has with Esau. He's wrestling with this, this past of broken relationships. He's wrestling with the demons of his past. He's wrestling with, with what happened with, his, uh, his, uh, with Laban, his uncle Laban. And so, and so we see that all this, this, these relationships that he's got, they're conflicted. He left home conflicted. He's got a brother with 400 men coming to meet him. There's conflict there. Laban, when he left Laban's house and, and he tricked Laban, well, Laban tricked him right back. And so there's all this deception that has been rolling around and circling Jacob's life. And then you get to this point where he's left alone. And he says he wrestles with a man. I think he's wrestling with himself. How many of you guys have been there? When you were left alone, you just wrestled with yourself. Not physically, but in your mind and in your heart, there's a struggle. There's this match, and you're like, why did I do this? Why did I do these things that I did? I, I, and, and maybe he's learned from his mistakes. Maybe he's learned from his past. And maybe now he's looking at, at this, this thing of this walk and this journey with God, and he's learned so much, and now he still has to face everything that he's done. He still has to face all these demons from his past, and they've come. everything's coming to a head. Everything's coming to this point. And he's wrestling. He's wrestling with himself. This is, uh, this is who he's really at odds with. He's not at odds with God. He's at odds with himself. Because remember, what did God tell him? I want you to go back home because I'm going to do you good. He's not at odds with God because God wants good for him. God is trying to get good for him. And God has always had a plan to have good for Jacob. But what has Jacob done? Jacob has always 
taken the other path. Jacob has always put distance be, between him and people and God, and now he's trying to walk back that path. And walking back that path sometimes is a difficult thing to do. Walking back that path means sometimes that we have to let go of things. And God has always been trying to get something good to Jacob, but Jacob just keeps running away. See, you can't hold on to selfishness and surrender at the same time. You can't do both. You can't hold on to you doing it your way and then God saying, I want good for you. And you say, well, I want that good that you have for me, God, but God says you've got to let go of your selfishness. You've got to let go of your self-reliance. You've got to let go of the things that you've just been running toward. You've got to let go of that, and sometimes we are not willing to let go of that. Sometimes we hold on, and it's like, it's just like Hero, uh, Hero in the Jungle when they drop the leaflets. They're saying, let go of the war. It's over. And what did he do? He just doubled down. And he grabbed hold of that war with white knuckled uh, just a grip. And it's like, you know, I'm not letting go of this war. And sometimes we do the same thing. We grab hold and we just, I'm going to be stubborn. And really what it is, it's fear. Fear of walking into the unknown. Because when Hero had to walk out of the jungle, he had to walk into an unknown situation. And so he just stayed in the jungle. And see, the jungle became his cage. The jungle became the place that he had to just try to survive. And the jungle became that place. You know what? It, it wasn't great, but it's what he knew. I'm familiar with this. This is, this is, this is the jungle that I'm in. This is just my situation. So you know what? I, I'm just here. See, sometimes the slavery that you know may be more appealing than the surrender that you don't know. Sometimes the slavery that we choose and say, you know what, it's not a great life, but it's the one that I have, so I'm just going to stay where I'm at. It, 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 it's, it's more appealing because it's what you know. And you say, well, I've learned to manage. I've learned it. And, and, and God is saying, come out of the jungle. Come out of the cage. Stop running away because I have good for you, and you keep running away from the good that I have for you, but it's going to require you to surrender. It's going to require you to let go, Jacob. And so Jacob is at this place, and he's just wrestling. He's just wrestling, and he has this wrestling match with, with, with himself. And I believe that in this wrestling match, God is there, and God embraces him. So that's the thing about, I'm always, all the time when I think about this passage of Scripture, I always think about my boys. Now they're 16 and 14, and they're much bigger, and we used to wrestle, and I could get them on the ground and, and, and overpower them, you know. They're a little bit bigger now, okay, all right? They could put up their own fight. Uh, but the great thing that I used to love was I'd, I'd get them and I would tickle them. And uh, I saw Dustin doing that this past week with Beckett when we were on vacation. And he would get him down and he would wrestle with him. And just and it, it, the great thing about it is, is it may seem like a wrestling match, but really it's just a father trying to get close to his kids. It's really just a dad wanting to be close to his son. And so when I look at this story, I don't look at him wrestling with God. I look at God saying, I'm coming in. Because I want to be close to you. I want good for you. Don't run away from it. And you know what? It left this encounter, left Jacob with a limp. He began to limp. And sometimes that's what happens when we walk away from these experiences. We walk away marked. But I think it was something that Jacob looked at and said, It's all right. I would rather limp, God's limp, 
than, than, than leap into something that I shouldn't be leaping into. I would rather walk with this limp and be reminded of my encounter with God and the breakthrough that I have. See, the breakthrough comes in who you know, not what you know. The breakthrough comes in who you know, not what you know. So there's so many things you don't know. There's so many things that I don't know. I, I have this entire past year and a half, there's so many things I just, I don't know. There are things that I just, you know what, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that smart. Some of you say, you're, you're right, Pastor, you're not that smart, right? Don't agree with me too much, right? So, but there's things I just, I don't know. There are things in life that I just have to resign myself to, God, you know. And I don't have to know. I don't have to know about that because I know you. And I know you know. And you know me. And that's what matters. Is that, Father, you know me. And I know you. So, as we close this out, I'm going to get somebody to come play. John chapter 3 and verse 30. John the Baptist says this about Jesus. He says, he must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. There's got to be more of him. If there's going to be more of him, there's got to be less of me. The self-reliance, the white-knuckled stubbornness, the fear that we run back to because it's just what we're familiar with, the things that we know, and so we'll just stay right there. And God is calling us out of the jungle. He's calling us out of the shadows. He's calling us out of that runaway mentality. And he says, hey, calling you into freedom and I know it may be unfamiliar for you but I want you to trust me and I want you to let go I want you to surrender so this morning what is it that God's calling you to let go of what is it that you're fearful and frightened of you're tempted to run away. See, because I think that that's where Jacob was at. When he was alone, there was that temptation just to run away again. I can run away and I don't have to face him. Maybe I can run away for another 25 years and I have to face him. And God says, no, it's time to stop running. If you want what's good in your life, you've got to stop running. Because I want what's good for you, Jacob. And God poses the same question to you. Do you want what God has for you? That's good. Because you can run away from it. You can do that. You can walk out this door today and it may, be, it may just be a steady walk, but inside you're running. In your mind, you're running. In your heart, you're sprinting away. Because one more time, it is that sprint away from, I don't know what that's going to look like. It's because you're scared and you're frightened. And I get it. There's so many things that we can be scared and frightened of. There's so many things that tempt me to be scared and frightened but in the journey that I've been on with Jesus, I know this, that I can trust Him. I know that I can trust Him. And so if I was dropping you a leaflet, it would say you can trust Him too. Surrender. And this is what I want you to do. I want, I'm not going to ask you to come up front, but I want you to just turn around at your seat kneel down today in a posture of surrender and just pray this prayer say God what is it that you're calling me to give over some of you you've been stubborn and you're just like this whole relationship with Jesus thing I don't know about it and I'm struggling maybe that's exactly where you're at right now 
There's that struggle of, all right, or maybe it's not even that. Maybe you say, well, I've got a relationship with Jesus, but there's all these other things that you're trying to control, and you can't. It's beyond your power. It's beyond your limit. It's beyond your mental capacity. But you're still trying. You're still struggling, trying to control it. God's saying, you got to let that go. You can't do it. Trust me. So right now, just turn around at your seat. I want you to just take a few minutes, if you will. Just turn around right there. Just make an altar right there where you're at. Can you lead us in this?
that wrestles with us. You're the God, Lord, that leads us to freedom even on the other side of that blessing. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Amen.